You're listening to Unsubscribe, a podcast where we explore all things sales development to give SDRs and managers alike the tools they need to succeed. Welcome to another episode of Unsubscribe, the Demand Drive podcast. Um, I'm your host, AJ Alonzo, and I'm joined by a co-host slash guest today. It's a bit of a different episode. Uh, we've got Alex Ellison with us. How you doing, Alex? I'm good. This is a big step up for from the time you forgot to even introduce me as a co-host. To that now would be a really a weird episode if I just talked this whole time <laughs> and you sat there and did nothing. Now I'm a co-host and a guest at the same time. So I, you know, I'm feeling pretty important. It's a good day, I guess. Nice, nice. Um, well, I brought you on as a co-host and guest because A, you help co-host the podcast, but B, as a guest, what we're talking about today is something that you're learning in school and have actually done at Demand Drive. Um, identifying and building core values for individuals and organizations. So uh, today, I want to talk through what you know about the topic, some of the processes that we implemented here at Demand Drive, and then uh, ultimately, you know, I want our listeners to be able to to know how to do this on their own and start building core values for themselves and at their own company. So um, sound good? Sound like a good conversation for you? Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it's something that um, can often get overlooked at a lot of companies, especially if you're just building out, you know, you're really focused on the product or the market or the, you know, in things like that, the technology business itself, stuff. you don't really focus on the business stuff, but not the business sort of internally. And I think it's an area where a lot of companies, if they're, you know, struggling to scale or hitting a lot of roadblocks where, you know, there's less engagement, the culture is not there. Um, values are a great way to sort of jumpstart that and get back on track to allow you to to have a company culture that people will want to go work for. Yeah. And I think that what you just brought up, and I'll lead this into my first question, but um, I think a lot of companies hit that point. There's like a tipping point with culture, right? Where like they're small and they're scrappy and they're doing whatever they can to build and, and be successful. And if they hit a certain threshold where it's like, okay, like we've done it. Like we have a, a product or a service that works. We have customers that, that we can um, rely on. Um, and maybe at that point, they've kind of neglected culture to a point or like it hasn't been that much of an important factor. And then you hit that tipping point where it's like, oh, no, like you said, if we if we want to scale, if we want to keep growing, we have to think about people, not just mm -hmm. the business. So obviously, that's important. Um, documentation wise, how important is it to sort of have that on on hand, what that process looks like for not just a company, but also like individuals, um, based on sort of what you've learned through your your schooling and, and the experience that you've had building values at, at Demand Drive? Yeah, I think a huge part of, of having these values is just the fact that you can name them. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, you use the term neglected values, and I, I wouldn't say or neglecting culture, and I wouldn't say it was necessarily neglected because it was there. There, You can't have a company without culture. It exists because the people that work for you interact, right? You've built a community of people within your workplace um, and that, that will create a culture and some sort of values that you guys might work by. Um, but nobody's going to recognize that unless you take the time to sit down and, and do so. So um, I think naming those values on a company level is a great way to stay on track with some of the aspects of your culture that you might like and want to continue to hold on to as you grow. Um, and I think also on a more personal level, it, it works the same way, right? Like before I sort of did this exercise for myself and, and found my core values, I could have told you that I was a very like loyal, trusting person, but going through the exercise, I said, okay, like trust is a core value of mine. It's why I value accountability. It's why I value loyalty, things like that. 
um, and understanding how you yourself value things is is a huge step towards just I don't know I feel like being improving yourself as a person I feel like we're all on our own journeys trying to figure out what makes us happy what makes us tick and being able to name the values and recognize them is is a huge I think early step in that process yeah it sounds like you almost reaffirmed what you already knew about yourself Mm -hmm. through this process but obviously there are people who maybe they're a bit less certain about what their values are. They know, like you said, I have some values that I like operate by, but I can't put them into words or really pinpoint moments where like they're, they're strongly represented in what I do. So the process isn't just for reaffirming, but like really discovering what you actually care about and what you hold uh, valuable to yourself internally and then how you kind of react to people around you. Yeah, exactly. And I think the reacting to people around you is also a great way to learn. We can dive into more some of these processes to, yeah, we will, to learn your sure. own values. But um, one of them is really looking at how you react to the actions of others. So for example, say you have a, a colleague who's, you know, always, always gets things to you a day late, like they're mm. done They're they're, they're not the worst, but like, mm. one day later, that irks me, that irks you. <laughs> So you value somewhere in there, it's either, you know, punctuality, accountability, respect, somewhere in there, there, you have a value and them not living up to that value that you hold is what bothers you. Mm. So being able to recognize and for everyone, it's different, right? There's plenty of reasons that could irk somebody. So then taking that, thinking about it and thinking about why it irks you is a huge step towards understanding like who you are and then being able to address it and say in a respectful way, Hey, I really don't appreciate, you know, when we set a deadline, I know you get it done soon enough, but like, I, it, it, we don't work well together this way. And then by addressing it as like, you value this thing, it's not personal. It's not an attack. It's not, I hate you for always being late with these, right. It's, it's a grounded conversation that you can, you know, progress forward out of. Yes. So, so obviously that's a, a specific example that maybe someone is experiencing, but sure. um, would you say, and I, I'd love to get your take on how does knowing your individual values, like as an employee of a company, impact in in all the different ways you can think of the, the role that you have within that company? Like I have my personal values. Great. I understand those. How does that then impact me at Demand Drive or whatever organization you're at as an employee uh, moving forward? For sure. I think there's two ways to look at it. One is how you interact with your colleagues. The example I just gave is is good there. So I won't dive back into that too much. But the other way is how you um, work as an individual. So for us who spent years as SDRs, we have a lot of SDRs at the company. So I'll use that as an example. But um, right, there's more than one way to be successful in almost any role, right? The SDRs, especially. Figuring out which way you want to be or you can be the most successful usually aligns with your values. If you're someone that values, you know, creativity, then writing new messaging is something that you can value and you bring to the table as far as your prospecting goes. You know, you're not going to be sending out stale messages. You're not going to be like, eh, this template's good enough. I'll try it again, right? If you really value that creativity or maybe innovation, something like that you'll take the time to do that. For me, I know that the one of the other core values I have is, is gratitude. Um, and so I was someone that always valued the rapport building side of things. You know, there, I distinctly remember this one guy who every three months I'd call him, he'd say, nope, it's still not a good fit like this time, but feel free to call back in three months. Three months later, I'd call him, pick up the first time. <laughs> and we had this mutual respect and, and, and understanding that like, 
thank you for checking in. Thank you for picking up the phone. Um, and so I found that like my pipeline numbers were typically above average because I built the report because I took the time to send that last email that was like, thanks for letting me know if anything does change in the future, feel free to reach out, right? As opposed to like, you don't have to send that email. If they say no, yeah. you can just ignore it and, and walk away to the next prospect. But that wasn't up to my values. And so the approach I took changed and I had different kinds of success because of it. Interesting. I like that. The idea that like, not only do your core values um, sort of dictate how you like operate as a, a team member or like an individual within an organization, but success wise, like, like you said, you can do the SDR role any number of ways and see success. You can do the same thing in any really other revenue generating position, I would say. Um, it's the path that you take to get to success is, is sort of driven by the values that you hold inherent to, to yourself. I think that's a really cool way to think about it. Yeah. I was trying to think um, of like other professions that would have that be possible. And I'm like, you can do accounting in any number of way. And I'm like, actually, that's not true. Not that's, that's just cooking books. <laughs> but what I will say is you can then take that, right? Realize how you excel as an SDR and use it to sort of determine your next career path. I know a lot of mm -hmm. SDRs just are going to become account executives. Totally good. Totally fine. But for like for you and me, for example, we wanted to move into marketing. For me, it was because I noticed that like, I enjoyed writing email templates more than picking up the phone. If you notice that the things that you do and that you excel at line up better with marketing or customer success or recruiting or something like that, it's a lot easier to say like, oh, this is why you can kind of piece things together a little more cleanly mm. um, and then sort of aim your career in that direction with a little bit more... Um, purpose to it so that you can yeah move move up in a way that that you want to as opposed to just like continuing to be an SDR or like moving up through the traditional um career ladder right well, so individually i think we we understand like why you you need values but um they impact the organization as well right so so knowing that i have core values and i have a specific path that i'm trying to build for myself based on these values is important, but how does an organization best react to or enable um, individual employees to not only have those values, but act on them in a successful way? Yeah, there's definitely um, a lot of ways to do that. I think the what we like to call it is operationalizing those values, but really putting them into practice, right? So you could have, you know, these are our core values. As a company, we really value this, but if you don't do anything about it, that's all fluff and it's it's worthless and potentially detrimental right if you hire someone because they're like wow i really value accountability this company is all about accountability and then nothing once they start is about mm. accountability that's they're not going to be there very long it's not going to be a good fit and that person that you spent that money spent that time hiring is going to leave pretty quickly um so being able to to practice what you preach is obviously a big step of it um there's plenty of ways companies do that. I'm going to be interested to see how we sort of continue to implement this moving forward at Demand Drive. Mm -hmm. um, but we've heard, you know, from various people, a lot of things. A lot, the the craziest one I heard that I, I'm intrigued by, but I don't know if we'll ever uh, pull it off, is to include the the company values in the bonus structure in the compensation plan somehow. Mm -hmm. um, and which is interesting, right? Because it's a, it's a lot less tangible than like you pass this many, you set up this many meetings or like this many sales opportunities closed. Here's a set amount of money for each right. meeting, right? You can't do that. It's more like a checkbox. It's a lot of accountability on your manager who will just say like, 
did they live up to this value? Like, do they show this value in their work? Yes. I don't know if, you know, there's definitely, if you have a bad manager or something like that, there could be some problems there. On the flip side, yeah. if your manager just really likes you, it gives them a lot of power to be like, well, you don't really value this, but here's some money anyway, right? Um, so there's definitely checks and balances that have to be had, but I do think that's a really interesting way um, to work the values into the the organizational processes as a whole. Interesting. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with someone about this and something that he said really, I think, fits nicely with what you were just talking about, where it's it's easier to incentivize than to be punitive. Mm-hmm. So the idea being that, like, yes, if you're trying to live up to a certain set of core company values that we've built, um, you want to incentivize someone to do that, right? Like little baby steps, giving them high fives or like building it into their comp plan um, rather than the opposite, where it's like you didn't live up to these values. Therefore, we're docking your pay or we're, we're demoting you mm-hmm. in some capacity and punishing you for not doing that. I think just like scientifically might not be the right word, but like brain-wise, I know I respond to incentives. It's been drilled into me as an econ major throughout college. People (laughs) respond to incentives. And if you can actively, in a way, incentivize the values that you have as a company in, in smaller steps to your employees, it becomes easy and almost natural for them to like fall into those values versus, like you were saying, kind of forcing yourself to be accountable if you're not accountable or yeah. to show gratitude if that's not a thing that you do on a regular basis. Yeah. And I think one of the things that also helps operationalize them is that your organization, whether you recognize it or not, probably hires people around the values of the company. Um, some, sure. some, some companies are a lot more um, deliberate with it, right? They'll, they'll include it in their hiring process in the interview questions themselves. Other ones will just sort of feel it out. Others won't even realize they're doing it. But if your hiring manager has the same values as the company, which they likely do, then they're going to hire people with similar values, Um, which is sort of what we recognized happened at Demand Drive when um, we set this whole process up. And to dive a little bit into the process, basically, we brought a lot all of senior leadership together, um, had them all explore and develop their own individual core values. And then in as it pertains to work, right? I wasn't like, like, how do you take care of your child? Like, how do you, how do you and your, your spouse interact? It was like, how do you interact with people at work? Right. But still personal core values. Um, and when we brought them all together to sort of come up and, and brainstorm and just talk about what we want the company's core values to be, there was a ton of overlap. So these were all people that had been at the company a while that clearly resonated with the values that hadn't been named yet. Um, but they enjoyed working there because the people they were working with held similar values. So they moved up in the company. Um, and then it sort of created that, that value statement without actually ever writing it down, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, like a so, subconscious yeah. recognition from yeah. the people who live those values day in and day out versus, yeah, like somebody who's new that doesn't have that kind of tenure at a company. They don't have that tangible like proof or... Um, examples of what the the actual culture and values are. Yeah, exactly. Um, what I guess I wanted to ask then. So, at a lot of companies that, um, and we can dive. I think I want to dive a little bit, maybe into like a not step by step, but at least like big bucket. Like, how do I get this process going at my company, or even individually for myself? Um, I know we have some resources that we can drop in like the write-up for this episode that actually link out to those those things that you can do, the exercises. But um, if I want to get this process started at my company, because I am maybe senior leadership and I'm recognizing that like not everyone is is holding themselves to the values that we find 
uh, important because we have a lot of new employees or we're not like communicating them in the way that we should. Um, how do I get this started? How do I go from these aren't documented and people don't know what they are except for a select group to everyone knows what our values are and we're living by them? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think to start it, your budget is a factor, right? With anyone, if you're at a large organization or you have, you know, a lot of funding, there are consultants you can hire. There are individuals you can literally just bring into the company. They'll meet with everyone. It's their job. They're professionals at this. It's definitely the most like certified way to find your company values. Um, if that's not, if the budget or whatever doesn't work for you, there's tons of resources all over the place. Googling value statements, how to come up with them is a good start. Um, but I'd probably do a little more research than that. So for me, and the, what I was learning in class was uh, we went through Dare to Lead, which is one of Brene Brown's books um, about leadership. And it, it talks about a lot of things, but a large portion of it is identifying your core values, company values, things like that. Um, and I, and she has a lot of good resources online that I'm, I'm sure we can link with the episode as well. But um, finding some sort of expert where you can dive into their research and what they've learned um, and some of the exercises they have around it is a great place to start. And I think from there, and this is something that I sort of discovered along the way, is if you're an internal employee and you know the company really well, you can tailor it to your company, right? I've, I've been here almost six years. Like everyone that in senior leadership, I would say that I'm comfortable working with and talking about, about anything, bringing up like, hey, I hate that you do this sort of thing if, if they don't align with your values. That hurt. No, that, don't say it that way. Don't say I hate that you do that. Obviously, you know, there are wrong ways to say things, but um, being able to uh, have those conversations with people makes it makes finding the values easier. And in, in Brown's book, she talks about the steps you might need to take to have what she calls a vulnerable conversation with somebody so that it, it progresses so that you can actually identify the values because there is a trick. If you're trying to do this on your own and you're not, not everyone is comfortable speaking with each other things get left off the table, values don't get brought up. Um, and you don't actually really identify those core values that you think you do. So the, you definitely have to be careful, you definitely want to know what you're doing. Um, but as long as you do, I think there's a lot of interesting ways to go about this process, just depending on your own company's culture and environment. And do you do you recommend that, and I know this is something we did, and it might be a bit different compared to what maybe some larger organizations or differently structured organizations do. But we had senior leadership come up with individual core values that we hold to ourselves and then match those up with what we believe the company values would be through brainstorming and, and process of elimination and what matches and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, but then we took those values because we had way more than like the recommended two to three of them. Yeah. And we, we put them forth to the company and we were like, hey, this is what we think our values are as senior leadership of Demand Drive. What do you as employees of Demand Drive think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Why? Um, do you think it's important in every situation to get the full voice of the company involved with creating these? Or does it just make more sense to like let senior leadership who know the company more than maybe employee number 485 who it's their second day make these decisions yeah that's a it's a good question and a good thing to think about i don't i think it a lot of it you're right sort of depends on the structure of the company but what you don't want is and if it's larger if you're saying there's 500 plus employees what you don't want is a senior leadership group that is misses something that 
everyone underneath them feels as a part of the culture because that can happen right with natural hierarchies just like it's not exactly the same at every level of the company it doesn't feel the same there's different people involved the values might might shift you don't know so being able to have some input from everybody is important but i think it still should be up to senior leadership to um to really determine those values once they have it. It's more like provide getting some data and having data points around how the company as a whole feels is really important. So, um, but they shouldn't, you shouldn't just have right employee number, what'd you say, 487, just make your company values. That would be ridiculous. Right. It was 485, um, but close enough. Shoot. They hired, <laughs> they've hired since then. Huh. Um, Good for them. Growing company. They got to have their values. <laughs> um but so what so what we did to to get everyone's input was as senior leadership we came together and sort of paired up a lot of the values that were overlapping so for example community and family um i think connection and collaboration um accountability and trust things like that yeah and we took those pairs and sent them out just surveyed the rest of the company and said like between these two which one do you prefer and why between these two which ones do you prefer and why between these two which one do you prefer and why um, and that helped us recognize um, where on that sort of scale people sat and just the company as a whole, um, just to point specifically between community and family. Um, most people voted community, but it was kind of close. But there were some comments that were very strongly against calling a company culture a family. And yeah. we recognized that. And there was also some sentiment about that from senior leadership. So that that A, that's good that it shows that parallel. But um, being able to see that that is a message that resonates throughout the company and so to avoid it is really important and I don't think it necessarily would have happened um, if we hadn't done that and just for a little bit of context with these values if you go into this um, process yourself everybody has a ton of values but there's only a few core values um, this Brene, is, yeah this is really important to note yeah Brene Brown calls it, it's core values and second tier values and it's about figuring out which one drives the other so for me I remember going through this process and I was like trust or accountability I clearly value both they're pretty similar so they can't both be core values but which one drives the other do I value accountability so much that I need to trust people or do I value trust so much that it causes me to need to hold people accountable and hold myself accountable and for me it was the latter for me trust was the core value um but for example for our company accountability ended up being the one out of those right. two that, that i'm the exact to. opposite of you exactly. where I, I i thought that trust led to accountability versus what you think so yeah right and that's totally fine and those are very similar values like we don't have a problem interacting or getting along because right. they're almost the same thing but still being able to identify which one is the core value is is really important. And that that was where we chose to involve the company as a whole is saying like, we have these values in this area, like where do you want it to sit? Right. Um, all right, as we, as we wrap all of this up, I wanted to ask one last question. So we, we've talked about what why individuals should have core values and secondary values, like why it's important for themselves personally and, and professionally. Um, why companies should do it, uh, and then how you can kind of start this process and actually put them in place. Um, let's look into the future and say that I'm at a company, we've done this exercise, we've built some core values, and we have individual employees who theoretically are are adhering to them and sort of living by them. Um, you mentioned at the beginning that this isn't like a, you just do it and it's, it's over. Um, 
how do you continually reinforce these moving forward? Is there like a check-in that you should be doing on a regular basis or like um, what do you need to do as leadership at an organization to make sure that like not only are these are these sticking and that you're doing the little things to make them part of your every day, but like that they keep making sense as you grow and mature as an organization? That's a really good question because right, companies can Thanks. change. I think you're welcome. I think one of the things that we didn't necessarily have to deal with, but that I've thought might be interesting is when you have a, a small company like a startup or, and you're really just like the founders and a couple other people, you can get a lot of buy-in. You, people are willing to work late. People really want to work for the company, right? Like just get it to grow, like get it off the ground. There's a lot of motivation, a lot of hard work going in. Once you get it off the ground and you start hiring by the dozens, by the hundreds, maybe even, that stops happening. You're going to hire people that are like, this is cool. I like mostly just need a job and some money. And it's in an area like where I went to school for, but they're not going to want to stay till 9 p.m. at night working on this. They're not going to show up to the office early. They're not going to work on the weekends for you. It's just their job. And that's totally fine. Um, but that means that the culture has shifted and the company values have probably shifted as well. So if you did a values exercise at the beginning and you noticed that a lot of people, you're growing a lot and it's not working, I, I would recommend revisiting it saying, hey, okay, we did what we had to to get to where we are now. How do we get to this next step? Similar with any sort of business strategy, right? Sales processes, you, you know, what is our market? You define your ICP, you figure that out. And then if you want to scale, though, you need to broaden your market, look at more people, different sales opportunities. What else can your product do? You, you might have to pivot. Um, and so it's a similar thing. Maybe you pivot your values, but doing it deliberately, I think, is the most important part. I think if you just leave them, you know, and if you value hard work and that continues to be one of your values until you're a 2000 person company and then you, the CEO, get pissed off that people aren't working as hard as you did to found the company that's you're disconnected there you don't actually understand what's happening at your company and you need to to revisit those values yeah that's an interesting point i feel like the 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 values almost act like this that bridge between what senior leadership and and the everyday employee look at obviously as like the direction of the company and when yeah when that bridge is is fragmented or collapsed in some way it's like not because of anything other than the fact that your values are no longer aligned. Yep. Yeah. That's a good way to think of it. Yeah. And the other thing to sort of answer the, the initial question you had about how to continue keeping these values within the organization um, is having team values. So I know we talked about the mm -hmm. company as a whole. We talked about the individual. There's a middle layer in there that I think is pretty important. So if you're a manager of a small group, um, you can still just do this exercise within your team. And I think it'd be valuable, um, A, to the people on your team, finding out those core values. Again, I would just recommend to everyone. It's a good exercise to do if you're looking to grow as a person, both professionally and personally. Um, but B, it helps you work together more as a team. So whereas these company values are good and you can be like, all right, we value this, everybody do it. Doing it as a team, just, you know, say it's five to 10 people is a great way to understand how other people work, right? So um, if I have some friction with someone else on my team, maybe they always show up, you know, late to meetings, we do this exercise and I say, I value, you know, accountability or whatever it is that I really like being on time to things, then they recognize that. And they might say, okay, I'm so sorry, I will, I will show up on time. They also might say like, 
hey, I really value um, finishing conversations. I don't know what the value is around there, but maybe they're late to meetings because they're on like they're making one last call if they're an SDR. I'm just using that example again. Maybe they're making one last call and, and the guy picks up and it goes long and they really value making the most of their time. So they they don't they don't stop five minutes before a meeting to prep for the meeting. They'll they'll dial right up until the, the next meeting supposed to start. And sometimes this happens. Um, but by being able to identify your own values and talk about them in this way, um, you could have those conversations. And then I personally, if someone was like, I'm so sorry, I'm always late to meetings. It's just like, this is my process and it happens. I'd be super understanding about that versus like, I don't know why they're always late. They're just never here on time. Like screw them. So being able to have that, even if your values conflict, being able to have the conversation about how and why they're conflicting is, is a good step. And then ideally from there, you can also find where areas where you have team members that, that don't conflict. And then that helps the, the process as a whole and just the team come together in general. Yeah. I think that's understated as to how that important that is. Um, as you were talking, I was thinking back to some of the conversations we've had in the past about um, using like values and incentives from a, a manager to team member level where it's like, managing someone beyond numbers and knowing that like they're a person and they have core values that you want to be able to um, tap into and sort of get the most out of them potential wise, that makes sense to me. But even like you were talking about team member to team member, you can't just have a manager to team level um, relationship. Like team members have relationships with one another. And if the manager is great with every member of the team, but all team members are fragmented within one another, it's not going to be a good team. So um, it, it's important for those values to be communicated from person to person versus just person to manager. I think that's super important. Right. And I think a part of it is um, the more decentralized that team communication is, and not that there's not a leader, right? Like the manager is the leader, but the more interconnectivity, the more just peer to peers talk and peers to managers, and the more, I guess, lines of communication there are, as opposed to two team members who, especially while we're remote don't necessarily need to ever talk other than like maybe weekly check-ins, right? right? Um, the more that every team member talks and communicates and understands how each other works, um, it creates a stronger, if you visualize it, like creates a stronger web for mm. everyone to communicate and, and hold each other accountable. Nice. Love that. Um, well, this has been a, a, an enlightening conversation, even for me, someone who literally went through this exercise already and understands the importance of values from a company and individual level. But um, I don't know if there's any last bits of wisdom or words of advice that you want to give to anyone listening about how they might be able to do this at their company or um, anything around that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for me, it really, the, the book and so context, I'm in grad school getting my master's in communication, AJ alluded to at the, at the beginning there. So I learned about these values, these, these processes in class. Um, Brene Brown's book is fantastic. Um, I can't recommend it enough. If you want to be a leader, if you want to be able to have good conversations with um, people underneath you about just like being a good manager, being a good leader, being a good person, I feel like, and just understanding yourself better. Um, the Dare to Lead is a great book. I'm not much of a self-help guy, but this one really spoke to me. So um, I'm not much of a reader either. Like, I don't think I would have picked <laughs> the book up if it wasn't for the class I was in, but um, I'm definitely worth doing. And I'm glad I took the class and, and the the things that have come out of it have been super useful for, for me personally and professionally. So nice. that's my recommendation. 
I think I have one. I got the book. Right here. Oh, wow. The physical copy. People read books still? I'm kidding. I, I, I yeah. love reading a physical book versus physical a, book. a screen. Sticky notes. There's, you know, wow. there's writing in the margin on here. It's really a book for class. But... It's a book that nobody else can get benefit from because you've <laughs> marked it for you and yourself alone. Those are my values. Um, but yeah, I think I think her website's just BreneBrown.com. You can get the book through there. There's a lot of other good resources, um, like worksheets and stuff you can do with your team on there. There's like that go along with the book. Um, and they also have um, her organization has like certified um dare to lead like program core basically these consultants we referenced earlier um she has ones that are like certified for her so if you really the book really resonates with you or like her her lessons and what she's talking about um definitely look into those as well nice and i think we'll we'll make sure to link the um the book and then her website and then all of the other resources that we've sort of pulled together to to educate ourselves on this topic yeah. um, afterwards. Because yeah, I think that, honestly, this is a more the merrier type situation. The more examples you see of organizations and individuals that have successfully identified, built and operationalized their values, the better. Um, so Alex, thank you so much for hopping on and, and talking through this process with us. Uh, hopefully the audience can learn a thing or two about doing this on their own and, and starting to get better as employees, as people, as you said, and as organizations through it. So. Um, thank you again. If people want to learn more about you, by the way, how do they how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, easiest way is definitely LinkedIn. Alex Ellison works for Demand Drive and goes to University of Washington. You should be able to find me, but the URL I think is just Alex M Ellison. So many Alex um, Ellisons out there. Yeah, right. It's it's a real it's a surprisingly common name. Um, but yeah, go ahead and find me on there. Connect. Feel free to to hit me up. Um, and yeah, thank you again, AJ. Again, my value of gratitude. Thank you so much for having me. I um, love talking about this stuff. It's, it's super interesting. It's like a side of business that a lot of people don't talk about. So I'm happy to share my knowledge and just hopefully somebody hears this and, and starts to do their own research and look into their own values as well. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Uh, thank you for listening to Unsubscribe. Remember to subscribe to Unsubscribe for more hot sales development tips and insights like this. Uh, and see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsubscribe. Remember, to get less unsubscribe emails in your inbox, subscribe to Unsubscribe and get your SDR team in tip-top shape. See you next week.